Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Brews Day, episode 16. I'm Rob, and I'll be hosting this episode, and I'm joined by the rest of the gang, Andy, Josh, and Wes. What's up? Hello. Howdy. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) We had a lot of fun in episode 14 doing a review of the Denver beer scene, and even though we're unfortunately not recording this all together like we were in Denver, we decided to continue with the City Series. And we'll be highlighting the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Each of us have spent some time here. I currently reside in Dallas. Josh, you lived here as well. Andy, it seems like you've visited enough times that you could probably claim that you lived here for some time. <laughs> yeah, I claim, I claim the DD a little bit. The <laughs> design district of Dallas a little bit as a home, a second home, a home away from home. And Wes, I know you've visited a couple times as well. For this episode, we'll discuss the Dallas beer scene. We'll check in on any beer news or homebrew updates crack open our unique beer of the week, give a rundown on the big board, have some fun with the lightning round, and then close it out as we always do with our good, bad, or ugly of the week. So with that, cheers. 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 So our cheers beer of the week is from one of my favorite Dallas breweries, Manhattan Project. They started by contract brewing at several North Texas breweries, but recently opened up their own facility in West Dallas. The group first came together in 2010 and entered into their first competitive festival in 2013. I will say the brewery did get wrapped up in a controversy for the name of one of their beers, but we're not going to get into that uh, on this episode. So tonight we're checking in the Double Half-Life, which is a hazy IPA, 8% ABV, 50 IBU, untapped average of 4.05 with about 4,400 check-ins. I've had this several times. The one time I checked it in on Untapped, I gave it a 4.5. Uh, that was back in 2019. We'll see if I revise that uh, rating here during this episode. But first, Josh, I'm going to come over to you. I know you you've had this one uh, several times as well. So give us your thoughts. I did. It, it's one of. It, I'd have to look back. I think it's one of the first Texas hazy IPAs that I had had. Um, tasting it, I kind of revert right back to where I was at that 4.0 rating. I, I think it's a good IPA. Um, it's There's not sort of any additional flavors in there. It's sort of just straight hop, um, but sort of smooth. Uh, I still like it. I think it's a four. Andy, I know you've had this one as well. What are your thoughts? So I previously gave it a 4.1 in March of this year, which I believe was my final trip to Dallas before moving up to the state of Washington. And I do remember going to the brewery. It was raining that day because we were sitting under a tent on their patio. And I don't vividly, re- I remember the patio and the rain more than I do the beer, but I did enjoy it then. I still think this is right around a 4.1, 4.2. I definitely get the haziness of it. Obviously you can see it in a glass and you taste it. It doesn't really have that kind of bitterness um so it does fit into that hazy category but i'm i enjoy it it's got a good flavor for a quick second i was looking at the can and without reading what was above it on the can it talks about aged gruyere cheese biscuits and garlic what and for a quick second i thought those were like the flavor profiles that you got and i was like i was gonna ask who gets a aged gruyere flavor out of this beer but then I, lo- I took a look above and it shows that it pairs well with aged Gruyere biscuits and garlic. So 
I don't get an age Greer taste. Gotta love a I good garlic tricked, in your beer. I almost tricked <laughs> myself into thinking I did, but uh, no, it's good. I'm, I I like Manhattan Project's beer. To your point about the controversy, I think with a name like Manhattan Project and what they kind of allude to with all the beers they do, that is in itself to some degree controversial, let alone some of the other beer names they have. But I like the brewery. I had a good experience. I'm a fan of their beer. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I did give this a 4.5 in 2019. It's probably a little bit high, so it must have got a little bump. A bowling uh, I think I was bump. actually bowling when I first had this. <laughs> got the bowling bump? I think it got the bowling bump. Yeah, that's a rare bump. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a rare one, yeah. But I do enjoy this one. Um, probably I would revise this down a little bit, but I'm still going to stay uh, north of the average, uh, probably in that 4.1, 4.2 range. Wes, I think you're the only one out of the four of us that has never had this before. So what are your thoughts? I am the only one who's not had this before. I actually think this might be my first Manhattan Project beer ever. Um, it's really good. It's It's got a nice balanced flavor. It's got uh, some good bitterness. It, it's got less of like a punch of bitterness and a little bit of linger, lingering bitterness. This is the only little bit of cut I would give it, but honestly, I really like it. I'd still probably be at like, I think I'm in a four with it, I would guess, which is a great score. It's a really good beer. Um, I, I, I'm excited to try them out more. One question I had for you guys, and I, I read the entire description of this beer on their website. They have a half-life beer and this is the double half-life, but it's not a double New England, nor do they describe exactly what they doubled. They just say it has it's juicier, hazier, and a little higher on the IBU than the general half-life. So I'm wondering if that's like extra hops. In, I just, I want to know what the double is. They're leaving me hanging here. I'm not sure any of us will be able to answer your yeah, question. I don't no, think you will either. Sure. I just, I'm just is it, is it double as in just like all of that, all of what they did in half-life times two, or is it like exponential? I feel like if you're going... Manhattan Project kind of alluding to nuclear energy, you're like, you're getting towards like some exponential growth there. You're not just going like a multiplier. Yeah, I guess I was just expecting I, the, it, Rob gave us this beer. Uh, we took it home and I just expected the whole time because it was called Double Half-Life that it was a double New England, but I was surprised to see it was just a, a just a standard one. Just more flavor, more hoppiness, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, like I will it. say that the, the Half-Life is uh, less ABV. I think it comes in at like the 6% range, and it is yeah, much lighter than the double. It's 6.2% ABV and 33 IBU for the Half-Life. Rob, there's only one solution. We're going to need you to go to the brewery and ask and report back. Yeah, I will also do a taste test and report back. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's your homework assignment for the week, Rob. I'm on it. Yeah, it sounds I will right. happily yeah, it sounds accept that one. <laughs> so just to provide, uh, moving on, just to provide some some quick facts about uh, the Dallas beer scene. Uh, I will say that craft beer in Dallas has definitely come a long way, just in the time that I've been here, which is about nine years or so. Uh, so a couple quick points for you guys: legislation allowing tap rooms was passed in 2013. So prior to that, tap rooms just didn't exist at all. If you wanted to do a brewery tour, you had to, or you wanted to visit a brewery, you basically had to do a tour. Wow. Buying, 
beer to go from breweries wasn't permitted until about a year ago. September 2019, that legislation passed. That means that you weren't to a brewery, you weren't allowed to walk out with any beer. In 2009, there were only nine breweries in, in North Texas, which is basically the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Of the nine, only two were solely a brewery. So the other seven acted as like a restaurant brew pub. And now there's somewhere north of 80 breweries in the, in the DFW area, and at least prior to COVID. It seemed like, uh, you know, over the, I'd say a year ago, it seemed like new labels were popping up all over the place all the time. Uh, when Josh was still living in Dallas, it, it felt like every weekend we were calling out a new brewery to go check out and tour and, and taste their beer. Andy, I know you've spent some time in Dallas. And uh, so just curious, what are your thoughts on the DFW beer scene? Well, I feel a little left out about what you just said, because when I visited Dallas, we only ever went to the same places. So you never exposed me to the growing beer scene in Dallas, Texas. We, so, I mean, I do love the places that we went to, but I would, I would definitely say that we always went to the same places. I would say mainly due to proximity, but secondarily, like they are good breweries and we kept going there because they were good. We were also just going to the same breweries because we didn't want you to start catching up to us in the untapped check-in uh, competition. Yeah, we got to keep you uh, ranked. Yeah, we got to keep you contained. Trying to keep a friend down in the list. Okay, <laughs> I see how it is. Well, I mean, for me, the places that we would always go to that I enjoyed were Petacolas, which um, I felt was a really cool space like really modern multi-level kind of like tap room experience big menu knowledgeable bartenders you have probably like three different like kind of segmented seating areas maybe even four not really any like patio but they had a huge roll-up window that you could open up on the side they had pretty good bar games they definitely had like ping pong foosball they had a, a very odd v-shaped shuffleboard which is i don't know if it's still there rob maybe you can confirm or deny it's that. still there yeah <laughs> it's still there but i've i have never seen a v-shaped shuffleboard board before but it makes sense in tight spaces uh i'm a big fan of their beers you know continue to go there all the time anytime i visited it, it was within walking distance within the design district of dallas so big fan of going there Another one that we would, you know, go to regularly was Community Beer Company, and they are kind of still in the design district, a little bit closer to downtown Dallas, basically just across the freeway from the American Airlines arena in downtown where the Stars and the Mavericks play, but it's basically like a massive warehouse. So it's a very large space, really good for large groups, a lot of communal tables. They would always have a food truck, not too much, you know fanciness or like modernness inside it was very just like utilitarian like very functional it's, it's but straightforward really to hang out yeah very open space yeah yep a, a good place for a dude a new baby and a stroller to hang out for an hour <laughs> yeah because there's a lot of room for that stroller you're not cramped <laughs> yeah it's Pedic basically a warehouse a smaller space yeah it is ju it's just a warehouse yeah so those are probably like the two that i probably frequented most with you and josh when i would visit dallas yeah, and I would agree. I think among those, uh, you know, 
Pedicolis is definitely one of my favorite breweries in Dallas. Uh, I think the only downside with their with their actual um, tap room is there's not they don't have any outdoor space, but also their tap room just doesn't really allow for it. Yeah. At least right now, it'd be great if they were able to make that work. And I know during COVID times, they did set up like some seating outside in, in the parking lot area just to facilitate some outdoor space. But yeah, that's Pedicolis is one of my favorites. I think they have some really good quality beers. Well, Rob, one of the one of the reasons I think you and I like Pedicolis is above and beyond the sort of normal beers they had, they would also cask uh, and, and do all sorts of, of mixtures and uh, fruit additions and, and things like that. Um, and so it was always a good place to go and just check in on what they were doing lately. Um, they always seem to have a good handle on, you know, something that would pair well with their beer. Yeah, they definitely seem to do, at least anytime I was there, they always, they always had something on cask or they had something very unique. And Rob, to your point about them being able to adapt within the COVID, that specific area where they are located in the design district is not a overly trafficked or populated area especially on the weekend when we would go when i was visiting so i would absolutely think that there would be a they would have the ability to set up outdoor seating and not really feel that they were putting their kind of like patrons or you know people that came to the brewery at risk of of any sort of injury when it came to traffic just because of, of where they were located in such low vehicle traffic in that area and Josh, obviously, you you spent some time here and definitely uh, got to explore some of the the different bars, breweries. What are some of your favorites? I mean, based on the the news you shared and kind of the the update you shared, it sounds like I, I was in Dallas the perfect time. Before that, it might not has it might not have been so prosperous. Um, above and beyond, sort of Pedicola's community in Manhattan that we've talked about. Um, the other one that was near us, and, and it was something new that, Rob, I think we went within the first week of opening was Celestial Brewery. Um, it was also, uh, I think it counts as being in Design District, maybe just on the outskirt, uh, but they were constantly sort of pushing the envelope on a lot of the New England uh, styles, double New Englands. Uh, they did a few triple IPAs. They were always kind of pushing the envelope, but keeping a lot of the flavor and not making it too boozy. Um, so I, I've had a ton of great beers from there. Um, it was, Same, it was a good and, spot. I, and I will say, yeah, they still have some of the highest rated uh, beers in, in all of DFW, which is great. Um, and, and other than that, kind of looking outside of, of the brewery specific scene, the, the two other places that I wanted to call out uh, craft beer cellar, Rob, I know you and I have gone multiple times. They have a really good uh, bottled and canned beer selection. Uh, they have beer on tap that you can get uh, sort of, take home you can drink there it was a good little spot to uh, to find new things and they had a lot of knowledgeable employees that could help you out um, and the other one that i spent a ton of time on mostly uh, again with a uh, a new baby and the wife um, was civil poor which kind of brought together the idea of a place where you could go and get coffee um, sandwiches like small things like that but they also had a pretty expansive beer selection i think it was like 12 13 beers on tap and they were constantly rotating so we could go, we could get coffee. I could have a couple of beers. We could get back. And, and it was a nice little space uh, that, that worked out really well for me. Josh, do you think they had as many beers as one of our favorite bars in the design district, which I think all four of us have been to? Meddlesome Moth? Yeah, they didn't. But, it, you know, I did. I also tried not to bring my baby into Meddlesome Moth all that often. 
it was basically at your doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And we tried a couple times. I, I, I can see that it's not the best like venue for a very young child. <laughs> My very limited experience with the Dallas beer scene is a trip to Meddlesome Moth when I was on a work trip. I didn't even choose this place. I didn't even know what it was. I was there. I checked a beer in and Rob and you guys were all together. I think saw me check in there. I had no idea. I was even across from your uh, apartment complex. So we were in Elsa good now. A very weird coincidence. And you guys sent over uh, your old roommate to, to come, to come spy on me. And, and uh, we bought, we bought each other a beer. So that was fun. The other, honestly, I'm just going to be real with you guys. My only real other love for the Texas beer scene, and it's only because I went there when I was a, a lot younger, and my my biggest love of the Texas beer scene is Lone Star. And I know that's not a good thing to say on a craft beer <laughs> podcast, but I do love me some Lone Star. I mean, so I would definitely say that Lone Star is one of the, between that and like Shinerbach, that's like the one of the two like, state beers of texas and shiner is kind of like the i've said it before on on the podcast shiner is like the yingling of texas lone star i'm not i'm not too sure lone, where i'd classify lone star that is one, not but it, at that fancy lone star is the one you get in tall boys for two dollars at every single bar that you're, you're right. going yep. to in austin <laughs> yeah, and west i'm sure you were around 20 i'll give you 21 for the the sake of the podcast but that that's a great beer when you're when you're younger yeah i was older too i still liked it i'll be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> it was last year yeah <laughs> I go there and just don't tell Rob, just drink Lone Stars the whole time. (laughs) Don't check him in. That way I don't see where you are. So I guess a question for you guys would be, you know, I would say that Dallas is kind of new to the the beer scene, really. And, you know, I think we've talked about Denver. We talked about Denver in episode 14. We had a lot of really good things to say about Denver. Uh, I think they've been they're more established as a beer scene than Dallas is. One of the questions I would ask you guys is kind of on a macro level, when you're looking at like a city or a region um, versus an individual brewery, what are, what makes a good beer scene for a city or what are some of the, the cities that, that you guys would call out as some of your favorites because of their beer scene? Wes, I'm going to come to you first. Yeah, I can. I, I mean, just talking about what makes a good beer scene overall and i'm going to throw out the easy answer but not for exactly the easy reason is quantity quantity of breweries and tap rooms and obviously you want that because when you go to a city you want lots of options you want to be able to go try new stuff especially with us trying to try new beers all the time you want a big quantity but the reason i like a large quantity is because that's going to breed quality because if there's a ton of them you're not going to survive as the crappy brewery or the crappy tap room so you have to have a, if you need them to come in, you can't just be like one of the two breweries in a town. Otherwise you're probably just going to survive because people don't have anywhere else to go. But if you have a bunch of them, that's when you start breeding that competition and the bottom end of that is going to fall off. And that's going to bring in new people and new chances for new, better beer. Wes, I would agree with you because not only quantity isn't, it's an easy answer, but above and beyond just quality increasing each brewery sort of has to find something that makes them stand out. Yeah. And so it's not all the breweries doing the exact same thing. You get smaller offshoots trying new things and, and trying to experiment to, to stand out. 
yeah, I guess breeds quality and breeds innovation, which is it's, yeah. it's good. Um, the other big thing for me, and I think you all agree with this, is is lots of outdoor spaces in the beers at breweries at tap rooms. Honestly, even just in like the strips of bars, just outdoor spaces. And for me, I feel like that just makes those spaces feel a more like a neighborhood of bars and and all that. It gives a better feel, a little friendlier feel to it. And just to be perfectly honest, that's where I want to sit at the brewery um, is outside while enjoying a beer. So I think, I think those are my two big ones for a good beer scene. Yeah, Wes, I would agree with everything you said. And Josh, what you chimed in on, absolutely. I think when it comes to that quantity versus quality, I love the quantity because of the, because of the differences in, in quality you're going to get. Because you, if you have that cluster of breweries nearby, and we experienced that in in Denver, maybe not necessarily with Cerebral, but when we were at the other breweries in that kind of like Lodi district, you had breweries within sight lines of each other. And so you could easily navigate from like one to the other, or if one was too busy, like when we tried to go to Odell's, it was too busy. So we're like, you know what? We're going somewhere else because we can just easily go across the street and get one more. I think that's, that is a huge kind of part of it for me is the ability to get to multiple breweries quickly, whether that be like by walking or by biking or public transit, you want those to be like clustered together near accessibility that's not necessarily just having to drive because obviously you want to be safe you want to be within the law to do that so you're not going to be wanting to drive to four different breweries around town you want them clustered so if you have a if you have an uber if you have a bike if you're taking public transport you can just get there and you can just jump from brewery to brewery yeah what a what a great feeling in denver by the way to we were on our way to breweries and we were passing breweries going, Oh, well there's one, but we were like, we had the one in mind. We were going to, we stuck yeah. to it, but it's cool to see. Cause I think Phoenix is similar to Dallas in that it is a new bustling beer scene. It is, it's, it's growing at a, at a crazy rate, but it's not, it's not a Denver yet. Um, and, and now I drive by a, a brewery that I haven't seen and I'm like, Oh my God, a brewery. In Denver, it's like, oh, there's a brewery. Oh, there's a brewery. Oh, there's a brewery. Okay, now we got to our brewery yeah. that we were going to, which is such a cool feeling. Right. I, I like the idea that the brewery, the brewery you want to go to doesn't have to be your only destination. You can go to an area and have two or three that you want to hit, and, and it just gives you that diverse option. The other reason, and it, it kind of piggybacks off what you guys are already talking about, the other reason I, I like the quantity of breweries is because a lot of those are spinoffs from the more, more popular ones. So somebody is getting a beer education, they're figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And they're saying, you know what, my vision for the best beer, I can't do here, I'm going to start my own and kind of create it. And so one, as soon as I see a new brewery open, especially in some of these cities, I like to look at where that person came from, because it'll give you a sense of maybe where they're trying to push the envelope. So I guess, I mean, you guys are, I mean, you're describing the perfect beer scene, right? And it, it, to me, I've, I've got to imagine that you're, you have cities coming to mind that kind of fit that mold. 
So do you have any favorite beer scenes um, that are out there either that you've been to already? I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. I, I think uh, having grown up in Los Angeles, San Diego kind of comes to mind immediately. Um, I, I hadn't been to Denver. This was the, the first time our trip, uh, spending time there and kind of navigating. I think Denver was starting to get close. San Diego just has sort of a, a huge amount of breweries in such a small space that it, it's almost ridiculous. San Diego's um, definitely an established beer scene. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, it, it's probably just my sort of hometown, but uh, I do like the Los Angeles breweries. They aren't quite as grouped together, but I think there are a few great ones in, in certain pockets and you can still sort of navigate and find your way through the city. Um, and Portland, I haven't spent a ton of time on, but there are a couple of uh, a brewery, brewery. There are a couple of breweries that I've been to um, and, and they've all been great, probably due to their sort of proximity to fresh hops yeah i mean i i think a couple of my favorite i mean one of my favorite all time and i i don't i i think it's probably on some lists i don't know if it's hugely well known but bend oregon is definitely one of my favorites uh small town beautiful small town in a beautiful area you're at the foot of mountains um great place to be great weather but there's 22 breweries right now in the in a town that has a population of 97,000 which kind of shows you wow nice small town but a ton of breweries and it's just it's it's a good place good breweries I'll, I'll say that but everything it's it's like like I said it's outdoor spaces lots of breweries in a small area it's, it's a really cool area it's just and Bend Oregon even if you weren't looking for a beer scene is an amazing spot the fact that it has a beer scene makes it even better uh, for me at least and then the other one I would say I mean we we're we're gonna probably all have this opinion because we just went there and had a ton of fun. Is just Denver because, like like we said, there's just so many options out there. Um, the other one I would call out, and I'm gonna steal these from Andy because he he can't say them because he lives there, so it doesn't count. Is <laughs> just kidding, Andy. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't count. Seattle, Seattle, and Portland, uh, both places I've been to uh, for work. I think both times um, have just been awesome. Seattle, I've gone down by the like the, I can't, Andy, you probably know the, the area better than I do, but it's kind of like where the fish markets are and stuff. There's like a three oh, or four. Pike? Yeah. Yep. There's like three or okay. four breweries right there. And it's just a really cool area. I was staying in a hotel, like just a couple blocks up and it was really, it was a really fun area to be in. Yeah. I would actually build on that and say the Ballard neighborhood of Seattle is a more condensed brewery scene because there are I think 10 plus breweries within that specific neighborhood. And you have Rubens Brewers, which is one of my favorite Seattle yeah. area breweries, which we had last week. Drank last week with the Fresh Hop Crikey. You have Stoop Brewing. You actually have a Lagunitas tap room in that neighborhood, and everything is walkable. And it's very condensed. It's a little bit north of downtown Seattle, but the Ballard neighborhood is definitely a beer scene within the overall like greater seattle area sounds like a place we need to go yeah or i need to go check out yeah oh yeah yeah. definitely, definitely rubens is. i mean you've you've definitely talked about rubens quite a bit on on the podcast and it's i think a place all of us are looking to get to andy correct me if i'm wrong is ballard across the north of downtown across the river yes it is yeah, yeah. okay I did see that when I was there. I was just kind of like there for work and didn't have time to 
move away from the hotel. I'm um, now I'm yeah, sad no, I didn't go there though. That is probably <laughs> the hot, the, like the most condensed area of Seattle. And when it comes to breweries, you have like Fremont, which is in the Fremont neighborhood, which is right next door to Ballard. But Ballard is where a lot of these microbreweries are, are concentrated. Well, Andy, I had it jotted down as the as the next city that I wanted to go to, and, and you've sold me on it. Well, I'm here, dude. I'll pick you up at the airport. Come on, <laughs> yeah, come on up. Work, I guess great. come on up. So I guess on that, let's let's build on that. Do are there any other cities you you guys haven't been to, but that that you feel like we should check out? I think it's there's one city that we've talked about not on the podcast. It maybe even mentioned it on the podcast, but Asheville, North Carolina. Both Sierra Nevada and New Belgium have like brewing locations and breweries that they've pushed out to that market to hit the East Coast. And those are just two big breweries, not counting the other breweries that are in that city. I have stopped through for a night and a half day and I visited New Belgium and that was just almost like a little like appetizer to the rest of the city. So I definitely want to go back and explore more of Asheville, North Carolina. I think that's probably number one on just about every one of our lists for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think we've agreed that that needs to be a, a bruise day live uh, location for sure. That may, yeah, that may be the next live location for our next quarterly meeting. Episode 17 coming oh, at you live little, next little week. Dude. 17. <laughs> might be Pick a little rough. Flights now. <laughs> I'm going to throw one out there that has not really been on my radar much, but in doing research for, for this episode was looking at kind of where I've, where I feel like I want to go versus where I maybe should go. And one that, both Josh and Wes, you've touched on and expressed a real affinity for, but the state of Maine and specifically the city of Portland, Maine has 20 plus breweries showing on untapped within Portland, Maine specifically. And there, I have seen multiple sources online basically stating or expressing that Portland, Maine has the most microbreweries per capita or per 50,000 residents in the United States. So that is one that I've had probably no exposure to in any way, because I don't even think I've had a beer from a brewing company, but it's definitely a place that has, you know, now been placed on the map of where I want to go. Anytime you want to go to Maine, I'm in. I love yeah, that place. We're in. Absolutely. Put it beautiful. on the list. Yeah. <laughs> episode Agreed. eight. We might episode let's, eighteen. Let's wait till, <laughs> I think we should wait till the uh, the weather comes back. Uh, maybe. maybe like next like Memorial Day, something like that. Yeah. Maybe like let's wait yeah. Some summer maybe. weather. Yeah. 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 All right. Any other locations you guys would add? I would actually piggyback on Wes's city that he's been to which is bend oregon but i've only ever been through for one evening and i'm very close to it i'm only maybe a six hour drive away from bend and that's definitely a place that i want to go back to and explore because you know what wes said they have 20 plus breweries and they have a ton of around a thousand a hundred thousand people and so there's a lot there and i've i've been to 
I think two, maybe three of the breweries. So there's, there's a lot left to explore. Andy, anytime you want to go to Bend, Oregon, I'm in. <laughs> all right. I'm episode just insert that after every time I say it because I love all these places. I'm, I'm, I want to go with you. <laughs> and, and I don't know if it's bad. I kind of want to go to Massachusetts just to go to Treehouse Brewing. I mean, where are they located? Uh, Charlton. It's Is like outside Boston, like I believe. Near Boston? Yeah. Okay. Just outside. So I do want to throw a, a question out there, maybe a little bit of a curveball, but still related to the topics we've talked about. And I'm going to shift it to international cities. And I feel like I have my answer to this, but does anyone else feel that there has been an international city that has really stood out to you that is a great beer city? Yeah, and outside of the U.S. I want to jump in here and answer first, just in case this is everybody's answer, (laughs) so I can get to say it first. Um, Copenhagen is definitely the one that jumps out to me right away. There was a ton of ding, 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 bunch of tap rooms, (laughs) bunch of beer bars, bunch of breweries out there. But the coolest thing about about Copenhagen is they are starting to adapt that like uh, uh, like kind of American style of IPAs out there. So they they have the New Englands, they have some West Coast IPAs. Um, They might not necessarily be calling them, but like that that is what what they taste like. They they Mm -hmm. do call them New England IPAs out there, hazy IPAs. But it just is such a great beer scene. I same kind of similar thing where it maybe less breweries, but a lot of beer bars with great beers and great local beers there. Um, McKellar uh, is in Copenhagen, that little cool little basement bar. Um, uh, and uh, yep. War Pigs is also out there, which is a great yep. spot. So, oh, yeah, just a really cool beer scene internationally. Well, yeah, you, you stole my answer because that, that that was mine <laughs> in terms of the international cities I've been to. Copenhagen definitely sets itself apart from the rest in being a great beer city. One that I'll call out that I had an opportunity to go to in uh, 2018 uh, was Tallinn, Estonia, where I had the opportunity to check in uh, – a new IPA. I was actually the first to try it because it was a special delivered, special delivery to a place that we were at, just a massive bottle shop called uh, Coat, which is uh, stands for or translates to the place in Estonian. And so I got to try this IPA, really enjoyed it. But what I really got, what I really enjoyed about this bottle shop was just the introduction to all of the, the quality beers that Estonia is producing, which was, I, I really had no idea that this, that, that, that was even happening um, in Eastern Europe. It was, it was really cool to see. And I'll throw in Dublin, Ireland. I mean, you're, you're not going to get a huge wide variety of beer from place to place that you go. But if, if you want a pint, uh, there's a thousand places within a stone's throw. Yeah, you can't argue that it's not a beer scene. That's for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It may not be a variety of beers, but there's beers. Yes. yes. And there's a lot of beers. A lot of it. <laughs> All right, so transitioning from the world back home, I think, Andy, you've got a little bit of a homebrew update Yeah, it's, for it's us. a quick update today. I have, I've been actually too scared to even really look <laughs> at the bottles of beer that I – I put in for bottle conditioning. 
for the listeners who who may not have listened to last week's episode, I never saw a single bubble arise during the fermentation process when I looked at it. So I was a little scared about what I produced, but it did taste like flat beer when I transitioned it from fermentation to bottle conditioning. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, toes crossed, that next week I will be live taste testing this single Chinook IPA on our episode and I will maintain my eyesight and I will not pass out while we're recording this episode. So next I mean, Sunday, that would also be fun. So yeah, yeah you should, if you want to do that, yeah. it wouldn't be as fun for the listeners. It'd be fun for you guys who get to watch me tip over. Yeah, that's fine. On the webcam. Andy, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I, I mean, I I'm traveling this weekend. So now I think next week I'm actually going to start my third, which is a, another single IPA recipe. And I'm hoping that one goes better than this one and maybe get, get some bubbles in the fermentation, but I'm excited to try this one next week. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to check in at our unique beer of the week. Hey there. Thanks for checking out the Brews Day podcast. For more content or to leave a comment, check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts at the Brews Day. And for your daily dose of beer photos and reviews, check us out on Instagram at The Brews Day Review. Cheers. Ooh. All right. Welcome back. So our unique beer of the week is not with that attitude. It's by Pedicolis Brewery. As the episode has been going out of Dallas, Texas, it's a 12% ABV. 95 ibu this thing will hit you kick you in the face it's gonna do everything that we were talking about yeah a lot of kicking in the face punched in the mouth i got punched (laughs) in the throat with this (laughs) one literally got pushed back in my (laughs) seat for the first sip of this thing damn it's a 4.12 average with 500 check-ins i gave this a 4.25 i think i had it with you guys on a uh, an old podcast episode we did before we went live this was back in june but i'm curious i mean looking at at you all of your reactions to your first taste it it definitely looks like the 12 percent is hitting you and the 95 ibus are coming right through but let's let me throw it out there what do you guys think what's your first impressions yeah, I mean, to be fair, Double Half-Life was a very, very smooth New England IPA. So, like, kudos to them and no fault to this beer. But then we went to a 12% and it tastes every bit of that 12% on that first sip. It was just kind of like a – it was a surprise. Um, It's really good. It's supposed to be an Imperial IPA. It's got that high IBU. The only knock I'll give it is – I, I've talked to you guys, you know me, I talk about Ren House all the time and they do triple IPAs, triple New England's all the time. And they're 10%. Some of them taste that boozy and some of them don't. I would say that this one has a boozy taste to it. That's the only little bit of a knock I'll give it. Um, but I mean, for 12%, I don't know if you can avoid that at this point. So yeah, uh, but honestly, it's it's really good. It, it's It's got a lot of flavor and it's it definitely has that punch you in the mouth flavor, which I love. So I think once again, I'm, I'm up at the fours, uh, probably right around a four with this one. Yeah. I'll follow you Wes. I, I agree with definitely like that punch in the mouth. I think the very first sip 
going from the double half-life to this was uh, the the most like apparent kick in the mouth because you are having a beer that kind of starts out smooth. It's a hazy IPA going to an Imperial IPA and really noticing that difference in the flavor, the, the kind of ABV and just kind of looking at some of that description of this beer, there's, there's four hops that are part of this recipe and they talk about kind of like a kind of like orange caramel candy taste. And I definitely get that kind of orange at the very end of each sip I take. I love double IPAs and Imperial IPAs. It's a hard transition going from a hazy to this, but if this was a standalone, like I'm a big fan of it, I'm probably in the four one to four two range. I'm the hoppier the better. This definitely has, like you know, immediately when it hits your mouth and you take that first sip that it is a strong IPA, and that is the type of beer that I really enjoy. So I'm I'm a fan of this. I'm right around where you guys are. I think the the description you have given it is right on. I'm getting a lot more of the malt up front and sort of the hop to Andy, your point is more of a of an aftertaste that, that I'm getting. And I'm not always the biggest fan of, of sort of a, an Imperial IPA that, that is super malt forward. Um, but for some reason, the the malt up front and the hop towards the end they balance really well. So I'm not as turned off by as I normally would be if it's just all malt up front. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably right around a four where I think Wes said you were. Rob, what's your take on this since you've had it before? What's round your, two. what's I'm your, what's your stick, latest opinion? I'm sticking with my 4.25 rating. I, I, I gave this a 425 in the middle of, um, uh, really in the middle of COVID era. Um, it was something they came out with, Pedicolas came out with because 2020 just uh, needed some positive energy. And I think Did you say it's not messing around. It's not messing around, <laughs> but neither is Pedicolas. They're, they're saying, you know yeah, what? And now with that attitude, they're not. That's right. Exactly. I like it. I think it, it really surprises you. I think you have to definitely know it going into it, that it's a 12% ABV. Oh, yeah. If you don't, you're going to be, uh, shocked. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely shocked kicked in the mouth maybe <laughs> yeah for sure but i think if you know that going into it i think it, it it is well balanced and i think it gets easier to drink i think as you go as you as you continue on with it yep uh, I'm, I agree. I'm still a fan of this i'm sticking with my four two five rating stick to your guns rob i like it that's right all right, so moving on, we're let's let's go on to the big board. When we we have to spend a lot of time on last week's results, I think do it's we? the right thing to do. Mm. Um, mm. We did. It was the, not with that attitude. <laughs> oh, God. That's right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Keep it going. Wait, do we have a tally of how many times uh, that's been referenced so far? <laughs> So our, our competition from last week's episode was the Formula One race, the Gr Germany Grand Prix. We all admitted that none of us have really any idea who the drivers are. I think we went straight off the Vegas odds uh, in, in coming up with our guess on who was going to win. I did take first. I took the number one uh, ranked driver in the Germany Grand Prix, Lewis Rob, Hamilton. Can we just take a second to point out that I believe the weeks that you've done the best 
and you've gotten first, you've taken the bold go with the odds strategy, which maybe is something we could all learn from because it seems to be working very well. (laughs) But without jumping ahead to last place, which happens to be me and choosing the second highest rank, that didn't seem to work out given my dude finished 17 laps of, I think there were at least double that that he needed to complete. Oh, there were well more than double. Yeah, like three. Yes. I think it was three times, <laughs> more maybe than three times. Four times. <laughs> That's not to go once again too far to all the way down to just second because I got second. Um, that was me having the great foresight of skipping number two in the odds yep. and picking number three. That is a great strategy so far. Lucky if number you want to be second. So well, it was first. West. It was first. Oh. I picked the first place horse it, it last week. I just point last that out. time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So your third place pick or third place ranking in the odds is actually Got paying second. off for you. Yeah. Andy, similar to Josh, your driver also did not finish. However, he you did finish more than he finished more than double the amount that Josh did. He got closer. Yeah, and to I, I, I was way down. I was way down in the odds. I dropped way down into the odds to take Lando and, Norris, and he Andy, he got your, closer. Andy, in your defense, as Josh said, as long as you finish double the amount that his driver did, then that is that. that I think that's enough for you to be considered third, and for Josh then to sink to fourth. I guess but we if, didn't if agree not, on a tiebreaker, but sure. If you're not third, you're last. I think that's if you're not third, you're last. Okay. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) The 12% is hitting hard already. (laughs) (laughs) Math is hard, especially with the 12% beer. (laughs) All right. So just to give an update on the overall rankings, Josh, you have a total of 19 points. It's been a rough three weeks for you where you've only tallied two points total out of a possible 12 points over three weeks, because obviously number first place gets four it's points. It's been a rough, like, five weeks. Yeah, Rob, we actually talked <laughs> offline, and Rob, Josh is actually, I think, nine weeks with five points. So it's, it's, oh, wow. it's way worse. <laughs> yeah, it's worse than, <laughs> wow. worse than your three weeks might indicate. <laughs> wow. Okay, We're in a drought. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt here. No. But, no. Yeah, none Mm-mm. required. Andy, you are closing at third still with still 22 closing. points a little in less the last closing. three weeks you you you've actually had seven points which is definitely commendable the gap the yeah the gap widened a little bit yeah so i'm I not closing at as quickly yeah. yeah but i'm i think i'm still closing overall wes, you are still closing yes yep wes you are currently in second with 26 points in the last three weeks you have a total of five points and then i'm leading uh still with 34 points uh with eight points over the last three weeks i think last week definitely hurt taking last place and not tallying any but definitely helps to take first again rob is this game like golf where the lower score is better Josh, I don't think want, so, Josh. I don't know. think so. I think that's that 12% chiming <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. Math is hard, Josh. Hitting everybody hard right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving on to this week, we're going to be moving into another territory that I think all of us are experts. Uh, yeah, definitely experts. International rugby. 
So there are three games that are currently scheduled for this weekend. Not sure if they're all going to take place as some games this summer actually did not, did not happen. Uh, There is the South American championship, which is going to be Uruguay versus Brazil, as well as Chile versus Argentina. And then a friendly competition taking place in New Zealand with Australia and the all blacks on Sunday. So let's choose the winner for all three games. The tiebreaker then is going to be the total points scored in all games. All right. I'm going to give my picks first this week because I finished in first last week. So my three picks will be Uruguay. Uruguay is going to beat Brazil. I'm going to take Argentina over Chile. And then, and I know this is really the closest one and the, probably the difficult one to, for us to pick. I'm taking New Zealand over Australia. I think that they will have worked out any kinks that they had in their last friendly, which I think was only a couple days ago. And I think yep. that they are going to pull this one out for my tiebreaker. I will be, oh, I think I'm going 150 points. Okay. Between all three games. Well, I think I am going second because I got second last week. Um, I'm going to take the wild picks of apparently the exact same as Rob. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, it might have been over a year ago, but uh, Uruguay won the last time the two played. So I'm going Uruguay, Argentina. I'm just picking them because I really couldn't <laughs> find a reason between the other. There's not that much to read about these matchups. And New Zealand uh, is actually a heavy favorite in that game. I know they just tied yesterday, but if you look at the odds, they're literally like minus 600. So going to New Zealand, I'm trusting the odds. And I had a much different tiebreaker written down. Uh, Go with it. Go with your gut. Significantly lower, (laughs) but I'm going to go much higher to make sure that if I am right in the lower tiebreaker, I still beat Rob if we pick the same thing. So I'm going 149. Oh, I did okay. have 117 written down for the record, Ooh. but I'm playing Whoa, the game. Where did you get that number? If you average out, I no joke had a calculator and averaged out every single one of the scores that they had all scored between the two matchups, average each matchup, added them up, and then subtracted five because it's COVID times. I have a feeling they are not going to score quite as much because oh, like the minus five. Minus five. <laughs> okay. It's just my logic. I feel like they're You're... not going to be as good in shape as they could have been. So that was my logic. But now we're going All 149. Right. So now I know your formula to get your answer was very different than my formula to get my All right. proposed score. So I will go next obviously because i got third and josh is dead last you earned the right to go next i earned the right <laughs> to go third on this one so i'm gonna go uruguay and i recently read the book alive which is around the like 1970s plane crash in the mountains between like chile and argentina uh, with the uruguayan rugby team and that was a crazy book to read and I'm just going on a hunch that Uruguay is going to win because I feel like, you know, there, there's a coincidence there. Next, I'm going to go Chile and I'm going, I'm going Australia 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna take okay. the underdog in this matchup. They Australia tied has not yesterday, so it's not. Yes, that they crazy. did tie, like, so it's yeah. not as much of an Can't underdog, and, <laughs> and neither team has played in 2020 yet. So everyone's pretty still, like everyone's still pretty fresh and raw. I will say that Australia has not won on New Zealand soil since 2001. Wow, so that's like t- 20 plus matches that they have not won on New Zealand soil, and. I'm actually going to go – I'm going to price this right, Rob, the other way. I'm going to go a score of 151. <laughs> so, Rob, you're you're screwed. You're not winning the tiebreaker at this point unless it is right on the dollar. You took Australia, the- though. Wait, who was yeah. your second team? I took Chile. Chile. Oh, you took Chile. Ah. He's got some differences in there. Yeah, yeah. You, there's some differences. So, but- I don't know. I'm not too worried about your tiebreaker. Because oh, you're worried about my tiebreaker. Well, it depends on the teams you take. So if we jump into my picks, I had actually written this down beforehand. I'm gonna stick with it. I picked the same teams as both you and Wes, oh, and I'm gonna go with the tiebreaker of 152 just to be real safe, and I don't end up <laughs> doubling up on Andy. And I don't, Rob. I don't think there's a way you can win. Cool guys. Cool. Cool guys. <laughs> so we're, we're the goal now is to make sure Rob, Rob does not get first place. Officially that is the goal game. moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're all going to be completely wrong and Andy's going to win. So yeah, Andy's going to win. Yeah, Andy's going to win and the rest of us, of us get last. But we won't get last unless they score 150 or 151. <laughs> One. God, I hope that doesn't happen. All right, so let's let's move on because I don't I don't want to talk about the big board. <laughs> okay, so moving on to the lightning round. During the Stanley Cup Finals, the mayors of Dallas and Tampa Bay made a bet that whichever city lost, that mayor had to send a package of some I don't know some hometown like goodies uh to the to the winning city or to the winning city's mayor so tampa bay was going to send both mayors had to send their top brewery and their top beer to the other mayor and then i think tampa bay had to send uh some cuban bread as well as some cigars although they didn't call them cuban cigars and then if if tampa bay won dallas had to the dallas mayor had to send brisket as well as the beer as well and there might have been some other things obviously the lightning have the lightning won the dallas mayor ended up doing a twitter poll on what the most popular brewery and beer was as well as as well as what was the the most popular brisket in in the city i thought it was a really cool competition and so i thought it'd be something cool for us to do for our lightning round so a question for you guys, if you were a mayor or if you ever become a mayor and your team lost a similar bet, what brewery and what beer from that brewery are you selecting to represent the best from your city? I, I just want to say that I think this podcast alone has guaranteed me to never be the mayor of anything. <laughs> None of us are going to be a mayor of anything unless it's this podcast. 
<laughs> Maybe I can run for mayor of this podcast, but that's about it. <laughs> and, Wes, we're starting with you as mayor of this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm living in Phoenix. I've lived in Phoenix for a long time. I'm going to call myself the mayor of Phoenix. And in this situation, I've already talked to him about the, them in this podcast, in this episode alone, but I'm going with Renhouse Brewing. In my opinion, it is the best brewery in Phoenix. They are constantly putting out new beers and they are constantly not just putting out new beers, but they're constantly rated over four on tapped at least. Um, my choice for the beer, it's kind of tough to say because like I said, they do put beers out so often that I can't really just choose one because I don't want to choose their just like most basic release. So I'm either going to go with one of their Wally series, which is just one of those ones I just said is a, a, it's always a 10% plus New England, triple New England IPA. I'm going to send one of those. The other option would be actually the beer I had last week, which is that double dry hop spellbinder, which is actually already one of their top rated beers that they've ever had. Um, both great beers. That's what I'm going with. Sticking with my love for Ren House. Is there a, a loser Wally that you could send? Maybe if I partner with them as the mayor, they'll make it. They'll make yeah. me a special edition Wally for this bet. It just tastes awful. Ew, that, no, that would be sad. I don't want that. No. Okay. All right, Josh, you're up next. I'm up next. I'm actually going to go LA, and it's going to be a bit of a homer pick. There are a ton of different breweries in LA that you could choose from. Um, having lived in El Segundo uh, and have a special place for El Segundo Brewing, I'm sure Andy will agree. I'm actually going to send yep. a, uh, a triple IPA, which is their power plant Ooh, uh, triple IPA. Yeah. Just go go full go full bore. Um, send them something heavy uh, and see how it goes. Uh, I've given that a, a four or higher. I think Andy even gave it a five. So it, it's a great triple IPA, and, and that's probably what I would go with. There's obviously a ton of other... Uh, more traditional downtown LA breweries that I could have picked from, but uh, El Segundo is, has the pick for me. All right, Andy, what about you? Well, I'm kind of torn because I'm, I'm new to the kind of SeaTac area of the state of Washington in the past three years. And when we've got this started, I was living in Austin, Texas. So I don't really know like where that affiliation lies. I'm, I, I, my initial thought would be that it should be an Austin beer, but I almost think that betrays where I currently live. <laughs> so I'd almost like to give like two options. The first option would be, uh, they're both going to be IPAs, but the first would be Zilker Brewing Company out of Austin, Texas. Their Marco IPA, which was like one of the first beers I had in Austin and I have glassware. I got socks that are like the can <laughs> art. Like I love Zilker Brewing Company. Their Marco IPA is fantastic. So that would be one of them. That would be the Austin beer. And then if I was going to go like a kind of like a SeaTac area, I would probably do uh, a Rubens Brews, which we just focused on last week. I wouldn't do their Fresh Hop. I would just do their Crikey IPA. I'm a big fan of all the beer that they do. I have not had a beer from them yet that I haven't liked, but their Crikey IPA is just a good IPA. And that would be the one that I would, I would offer up as a bet. Love it. All right. Well, I'm going with 
I'm going to choose Pittsburgh as, as kind of my city, really, because that's where I'm from. Um, and I'm going to go with Pittsburgh Brewing Company, which was founded in 1861 on a different name, but going with it anyway. And I'm going with Iron City Beer, which is an American lager. It was first created in 1861. It has an untapped average of 2.9 with 16,000 check-ins. <laughs> Not your highest rated, but for the city of Pittsburgh, this is one that everybody knows. It It's actually one of the first American breweries to produce a lager. So I feel like I have to go with this. All right, so... Moving on to good, bad, and the ugly. Let's close it out. Um, what are what are some of the things that are that are happening this past week? I'm actually going to kick this off. I've got an ugly, and it is my fantasy team this week. Oh, it was terrible. I think I I I've been averaging probably over 90, 100 points each week in this past or this current week. I think I'm. I don't even think I'm going to break uh, 55 or 60. So this has just been an off week for my entire team. It is my ugly. Uh, it, it's that's the only thing I'm gonna be able to call out. There's there's really no other good or bads. So that's what I'm going with. Breaking news: You had a 59. 59. Okay, <laughs> Rob. I I find it a little bit insulting that you would claim that your fantasy football is your ugly of the week when you at least have a victory. In fantasy football, <laughs> I am now. Yeah. I believe I will be zero and five mm-hmm. going into week six of the NFL season. I have like one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. I have like two top fifteen tight ends, yet I can't do anything. I am zero and five, so that is absolutely my ugly of the week. That I is think your problem is that you have two of the top tight ends in the league. Exactly. You yeah, flex played one. your tight end, which is yes, never a good I had sign. To. That is not no. a good sign. You shouldn't be doing that. I'm well, revising three, my. I had three Green Bay Packers that were on a bye week. Yeah, that is. So happen. I had to. I had to throw the second tight end in as a flex. I'm revising my answer from an ugly to a bad. I'm upgrading it <laughs> after hearing Andy's ugly play upgrade. Yeah, I'm just I'm just hoping I can get maybe Rob we can make that trade happen that we've been just like going back and forth on. I'm open Ooh. to that. Right. Lots of lots of tight end trades, I'm assuming. <laughs> just tight ends flying all over yeah. the place. <laughs> Andy needs another tight end. Yeah, I need a third. I need a third top 15 tight end, please. <laughs> Uh, I'll jump in. My good, Wes, you referenced it last week. I am finally making my Flagstaff Phoenix weekend happen, um, and I will hopefully be seeing you on Friday evening, and and we'll check in some beers. Wait, you're going to Flagstaff? I am going to do Flagstaff on Thursday evening before heading to Phoenix. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, I referenced it last week. Uh, Josh referenced it this week, <laughs> and I will reference it again this week. Is very good. Go. Is Josh is coming this week, <laughs> and I also hopefully will see you this week. I hope that's not a hopefully. I hope you all. I will see you this. Yeah, I, I hope soon. Yeah. I would see you this weekend. But yeah, hopefully, I guess I'll see you this weekend, and we're gonna have some fun, drink lots of beers, and make these uh, other two guys real jealous. 
hey, you, you, you should be like limited to the number of unique check-ins, like because Absolutely we're all not, not together. No. Like oh, it's nope. you, you should be like two max, and two yeah. uniques max. Andy, out of person. curiosity, what level, what would the max you would set be per day? Two. Oh, oh yes. yeah. No, two no, uniques no. per day. <laughs> but it's i mean you guys are gonna take leaps and bounds ahead of us i'm gonna have more than two uniques before i leave well, andy i don't know about us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you will lose more ground in the check-in competition yes <laughs> yeah all right well let's close this out the way that we know how thanks for listening everybody and uh make sure to tune in next week peace 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 peace, peace.